Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, before we get started, we have some stuff to tell you. Because we've reached the end of Season 1, we are now prepared to release Into the Wilderness, the collection, a complete collection, of songs from Season 1, songs 1 through 12, and we're going to be releasing those digitally uh, within a couple weeks' time, so definitely stay tuned on Twitter and Facebook where we'll be announcing everything. Uh, as it is ready to be announced. And you can follow us on either of those platforms at BufferingCast. Also, we are doing a limited run of physical CDs um, of the collection of 12 songs from season one. So we're going to put those up. They are up right now in our store. Um, they're pre-orders. We expect to see those um, in the next couple of weeks and start sending them out. We want to let you know that when you go to the store, it's just bit.ly slash shop buffering, or you can go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on shop. Um, those are pre-orders. They'll only be up until December 18th, um, because that is when we have our live show in New York. And so we're we're going to bring the balance of the physical copies, the ones we have not sold on pre-order to that show. So they may come back online after that, but they may not. It depends on how many we sell. So we just want to let you know, if you want a physical copy, go grab it now before the 18th of December. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time. I am Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week, we are discussing Season 1, Episode 12, the finale of Season 1, Prophecy Girl. Ah! (laughs) Stay tuned at the end of this episode and every episode. For an original recap song written by us. Um, So you know what this episode is about if you did not do a rewatch or a first watch before listening to us. This is the episode where Giles discovers an ancient book foretelling Buffy's death at the hands of the master. I I kind of take issue with this summary description that I copied and pasted. Did Giles find it? And also he he doesn't discover it in this episode. Yes, Huff and Puff. Yeah, Huff and Puff. Writer of the IMDb summary. Uh, Speaking of writers, this episode was written and directed by Joss Whedon. Hooray! Yes, Uh, and how. And it was originally aired on June 2nd, 1997. So. Wow. There is a lot to say. Yeah, there's so much to say. I feel so many feelings. I want to say that, like, I've enjoyed season one. As you know, if you are a listener of the show, this is my first time through season one, though I have seen episode or uh, seasons two through seven. Um, and I, I, because I know these characters, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed every episode that we've watched. But when I watched this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, like 
I forgot how how much better it's going to get. Yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah. I of course on some level I didn't forget because here I am co-hosting a podcast about right. the show. I do know that it's wonderful, but I really forgot how much I will sob from now until the <laughs> end of the series with just the power of the characters and the power. I mean, the the writing in this episode, the direction in this episode, just, 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 just. But like, mm. it's just gorgeous and heart-wrenching and we are going to get into all of that um all of that although my first note and this is going to be after yours so so we can talk about whatever you'd like jenny but my first uh pen to paper moment was cordelia (laughs) cordelia's parking job in the cemetery yeah Um, but before we get there (laughs) <laughs> Before we get there, we obviously, like, we start in the bronze. We start in the bronze mm-hmm. where Xander, ugh, poor Willow. Xander is practicing how he's going to ask out Buffy on Willow, yeah. who is in love with Xander. Yeah. It's a, a deep sad. burn. It's a sad. And this, like, I mean, maybe we can just talk about this whole, like, little tinier arc in the right in the episode, right? Because it's sort of like... Xander really wants to tell Buffy that he has feelings for her. Willow has feelings for Xander. It's a whole love triangle thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know. I feel like obviously this is a sad moment for Willow because she's just longing for Xander to be saying these words to her. Yeah. Right. So it's really sad. And then, you know, but then we see later in the episode, Xander does, you know, tell Buffy how he feels and asks her if she feels the same way, and she does not. Um, so that's a big blow to Xander. Mm-hmm, Xander's mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. bummed out. I also kind of, like, just a shout-out to how this moment was handled between two friends, because as somebody who gives advice for a living, <laughs> um, I often get the question, I'm in love with my best friend. What do I do? And I feel like Buffy and Xander in this moment, like, do what most people do acor- across the span of, like, two years in, like, one minute. <laughs> yeah, they do a really great job until Xander gets unnecessarily mean. Yeah, I understand. I don't know. But it's like I, I, I it's like so but but the but Xander's also really self-aware in that moment, which is why I I right. hesitate. But maybe if he could have thought of a different thing to say other than I guess a guy's got to be undead to make time with you. I mean, maybe if he had even just said something other than make time. Fine, but you just don't like make time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my problem. Okay. Because I feel like that's a common human thing. I mean, certainly we even do that to each other when we're having a, um, what do you call it? A, a marital dispute? There's a word. I that... don't, I've never even heard of one of those. I, that doesn't sound like a thing. <laughs> but like you Who go... have you been having marital disputes with? You... Certainly not me. <laughs> but you, you like instinctively go for the gut. I mean, that's just like what, I'm not saying it's it's right or correct yeah, or that yeah, I yeah. Um, approve of such behavior, but it's like. In, but when I... you're wounded, you lash out. I, I when you're wounded, it. you yeah. lash out. And Xander, he lashes out. He says this shitty thing. And then he immediately, the, like the next thing he says is, I'm sorry. I'm not good at dealing with rejection. So I feel like... Very self-aware. Very self-aware moment. And then just to follow this arc through, right, Willow goes in to yeah. see Xander. Little, um, uh, I almost said goose egg. A little... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little goose little egg. goose egg. Hidden in the grass. Please <laughs> tell us about the goose egg. A little Easter egg in the scene between Willow and Xander um, is that there's a poster hanging up in the classroom that says just say no, um, which is very funny because Buffy has said no. And then uh, right after that, now Willow says no 
Also, I mean, gosh, all of the self-awareness in these teens yeah. is pretty impressive. Way to go, Willow. Not just taking that soft pitch, you know? No, and, and Willow is very... Str- like, Willow... They all have, like, very deep moments in this. Like, they mm. all have... Willow is very strong in this episode. I mean, that's that's a, one of the first examples of it, right? When she's like, you know what, Xander? I don't know what would have possibly made you think that I would want to go to the dance when the whole time you're going to want to be there with Buffy. Like, yeah. strong, powerful moment. Right before that happens, <laughs> Cordelia... She runs into Cordelia in the hallway... <laughs> Cordelia says, I love that outfit. And Willow, without missing a beat, says, no, you don't. <laughs> right? And also, to her credit, Cordelia is like, you're right. You're right, I don't, but I need a favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great moment because it's a strong moment for Willow, but it's also, um, you know, Cordelia and Willow have a relationship now. Yeah. We, we like to see them together. They're yeah. a great pairing. Absolutely. Um, so, oh my God, what if they accidentally kiss? Oh, I have. Yeah. We'll get to the sexual tension. We'll get to, <laughs> I don't think they had any in this particular episode, but, um, but, but I do want to talk about Cordelia. Um, in the graveyard because we cut right we cut from the bronze to you know they're like wonder what buffy's doing the usual and then it right cuts. and it's just the most beautiful scene we've it's the most beautiful shooting we've seen in yeah. the show to up to this point this like slow motion fight scene yes it's and, like and the slow motion fall like the yeah, scene yeah, yeah. starts with her like falling and the close-ups on their you know the vampire's eyes and Buffy like smiling after she like pulls the stake out and the vampire like recognizes it that and then she smile smiles. so small like that alone like Joss's direction I would give many awards for that moment alone of like how this is framed with that fucking smile mm-hmm. that she gives to that vamp mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we see right after she falls we we cut to a car some uh, someone has gone parking. Is that what? Cordelia next in the graveyard. In Cordelia the- goes to the cemetery to make time. <laughs> to make time. See how gross it is. Yeah. Well, I didn't think that we were saying make time, like make out. Hmm. But okay. But we are now. <laughs> um, but but my my real laugh in this moment is that, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about Cordelia's driving and we'll have more <laughs> before this episode is over. But I love that she's just like in between the gravestones. Like she's <laughs> she's not she's not like parked on the side of the road in the graveyard. Oh my she's God. parked in, on the grass. Um, so I like that uh, a lot. And yeah. then and then back to just this like gorgeous um, fight scene because it cuts from this amazing fight scene to this beautiful over the library shot. Which oh, is, yeah, this is the first bird's eye view we've seen of the library. Yeah, through the glass, which is like really, really awesome. And we see Giles. He's been studying. Yeah, and he's just translating this piece of the codex. Uh, that what did I say I was going to call it? The Pegasus Codex. Yes. Yeah, he's translating a piece of the Pegasus Codex, um, and we don't learn in this moment what it says, but we do learn that it is real, very disturbing, real to fucked Giles. up. Yeah. Giles is like, that doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> That's Jenny's Westworld reference. It's my new favorite joke. Whenever anything <laughs> is really disturbing and you are looking at it, you must say. That doesn't look like anything to me. Uh, yeah, so Giles. Shout out to Molly Green who made that joke first. Who is Jenny's friend. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, who? <laughs> um, 
So, and then the earthquake happens. It does. And it made me remember that we live in Southern California now. But oh. we haven't felt any earthquakes. Oh, why do you have to? What? Do you no. Wanna, no. You know what? Here's the thing. T- two nights ago, it was really fucking windy. Oh, yeah. It was really windy. And we were in bed trying to go to sleep. And we couldn't fall asleep because it sounded like ghosts and goblins. It was so loud. Banging around outside. And Jenny turns to me in bed <laughs> and says, well, at least we know it's just the wind. <laughs> it's like, just like if why? I get, if I'm going to get murdered by something that's supernatural or like a serial killer or something, I want to have a a craven-worthy last words. So this is right in line with that. Hey, we haven't felt an earthquake yet. Thanks a lot, um, Danny. Yeah. Sorry I said that. Um, But I have a question related to this scene. Yeah. Um, There is a beautiful piece of art hanging over Giles' desk. Oh, I didn't notice that. And it is uh, a lake at night or a pond at night, mm-hmm. and the moon is out, and it's reflected in the water, and it's very beautiful, oh. I think, from what I could tell. Right. And I was just wondering if anybody, if any of you nerds, I know one of you must, know <laughs> what that piece of art is. Oh, let us know. Help me out. Yeah. Shoot us an email at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. I'm <laughs> desperate to know <laughs> what it is. Uh, speaking of nerds, I, I do have one more thing I want to talk about with the earthquake. But in our in our first moment, one of our first moments <laughs> post credits, we get a great line from Willow. Um, it's the computer age. Nerds are in. Yeah, she's <laughs> pretty solid. But then immediately, they're still in. There's, right? Yeah, I'm still cool, right? Um, but also, just back to the earthquake for a hot second. While the earthquake is happening, first of all, we cannot miss the fact that there is this organ music playing as we like pan down oh to my God. the master who's like, ah, 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 <laughs> it's like the most. June, June. <laughs> it's so silly. And then like, yeah, that he, music cue is out to lunch. It is. And he kind of laughs at himself like he almost has like a self-aware moment in this um there's i wish i knew more like i get real worked up about when we talk about like Wes craven and horror and stuff like this but i don't know a lot about like old like old vampire movies but i feel and so i might be wrong but the little bit that i know the little bit i've seen i feel like there were like references to that there were these moments like this moment with the organ and like Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. these kind of like over the top moments that made me feel like they were very intentional and they were like hearkening back to something else right 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 i don't know so again let us know if Kristen is very wrong with her like headline reading of a <laughs> an old vampire film, um, and also the master then says, oh, "Do you think it was a five point one? Oh my god! And let me tell you what Boom. I don't. Oh yeah, god. just the anointed one with the miniature drum kit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just feel like I, I I don't know a lot about earthquakes, but I think that if the floor of the library cracks in half, it's probably bigger than a five point one. <laughs> Just my my two well, cents. Well, but like, do you think any buildings that are, aren't located directly on top of the Hellmouth experience that level of damage? Oh, that's true. Okay, that might that's, be playing that's into true. it. You're right. Okay. Um, uh, so when Buffy comes into the library the next morning, her first comment is, "The damage looks fairly structural." Yeah. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. You know, this is one of many moments in this episode where we're seeing the mundane, if you will, experience of like being at school and doing the things we're supposed to do in our life, like mm-hmm. making sure you run those errands set set right next to 
this apocalyptic um, situation. And, and that is shown here in the fact that Giles knows what's up now. Mm-hmm. Giles has read the prophecy that Buffy's going to fight the master and that she's going to die. And Buffy has just been having a blast killing vamps all night is on her way to biology and is like, what's your deal, man? Something that I want to, we talked about the Xander arc and, and, you know, Buffy and feelings and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to go too much more into that, but I do want to say that I appreciated Xander's line because Xander's approach to this moment where he tells Buffy about his feelings for her is very, I just, I really want to work to give Xander credit where credit is due because, and, and Joss he credit. Says I want to dance with yes, you. Yes. He says, I uh, want. He says, I want to dance with you. <laughs> says, I want to dance with you. It's very sweet. It is very sweet. And, you know, and Joss wrote this and Joss directed it. So I do feel that that is sort of a reflection of some of the feminist Joss that we know. Um, to also, put that in as the line. I just want to say, uh, while Xander's like working on it and he's like huffing and puffing and like drumming on his bag. Well, that's just like what I do. Yeah, that is when very. I, when, when I need to get. When you're nervous. To a point. <laughs> Uh, so I appreciated that. Um, so, you know, then Buffy leaves, goes to biology, et cetera. But Giles is left in. Oh, um, Jenny. Yes. Jenny has wide eyes. Well, Giles is left with. Uh, oh, you're going to take my moment from me. We have the same note. Well, let's find out. You go first since you you did the transition. Please. Well, so Giles is left in the office. Now, at the same time, let's say our notes. OK, I'm going to count down from three. Three, One. two. One. How, How did you get she ha- Angel's yes, number? Yes, the phone number. <laughs> How did he get the phone How? number? How? How did... You know late what? night meetings. You know what? Because last week we talked about sexual tension and it seems like there was a bit of a number exchange. Yeah, there probably must have definitely been a total number exchange. Yeah. Seems they made time for also, each other. Also, he's so <laughs> flustered on the phone. You Not just hear... because of the prophecy, I think. You didn't even hear my joke. What did you say? I said it seems they made time for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So um, that was that felt Yeah. That so felt so bespoke. yeah. So somehow uh somehow first of all, somehow they have each other's phone numbers and also Angel has a phone, which I'm curious about how that works. Like, is there identity theft for vampires when they need like you know, to pay bills. Utilities. Yeah, like he can't just be like Angelus, <laughs> like mm, on his. Yeah, he probably just has a fake, a fake name. Yeah, and a fake social. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess he's been around long enough to know the system. He was he was around when they invented social security numbers, so he probably just right, right, right figured it out. Um, and then of course, hello, who, who's in the doorway? Miss Calendar. That is exactly what I wrote. That's exactly what I wrote, too. Wow. Hello, Ms. Calendar. I wrote, hello, wow. Jenny Calendar. Well, uh, she's been surfing the net. <laughs> she has. She has been surfing the net, and she has a lot to report. <laughs> a snake or a cat. A cat has given li- birth to a litter of snakes. Yep. And uh, there's a lake that's boiling. Ooh. Yeah. 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 A child was born with their ooh, eyes facing, facing inward. inward. That was a, that's a rough one. Gross. Also, she ends this like list of things that has happened with. I would say the end is pretty seriously nigh. Yeah, which is a very. And then she like rides her skateboard off. It, it was very like she sounded like Buffy in the movie Buffy the Vampire. Like it was yeah, a very yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie line and delivery. I would say the end is pretty seriously nigh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you would, Jenny mm-hmm. Calendar. Yeah, she's. Still hot. Yep, still looking great. Still 
a practicing techno pagan getting a lot of information from monks across the world. Yeah. What is this guy's name? Luca? That's yes. sending out, what does she call them? Global messages. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Global messages. Global messages. I mean. Is that like an email? Yeah. I, I, yes. It's a message oh, that you can dear. send globally all oh, at once. bother. <laughs> so after this scene where, you know, we, we later learn that who uh, Giles has called his angel to come please meet him. They have to talk and hang out change numbers um we cut to this scene that is again like this really spooky dark scene buffy is like getting her stake out of her locker as you do sun has gone down she goes you really think i mean i thought even you thought having seen this episode before we were like this is a dream right it's it has a very dreamlike quality to it yeah yeah um especially when she then turns the faucet on and there's just blood pouring out of it Mm -hmm. um and we go, we cut to the li- or she goes to the library to be like, Giles, you're not going to believe the fucking uh-huh. sink is <laughs> coming out blood. <laughs> and instead, of course, she comes upon Angel and Giles. Well, she comes upon Angel, which yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And she's like. <gasps> she Angel? says Angel. Yeah, right? she's so pumped because she hasn't seen him yeah. since she burned a cross shape into his chest while they were kissing Ooh, at the uh... end of season one, episode seven. Angel. Wow, Jenny. With the references over Not there. Not that I've been paying attention. Um, but this scene, I have it blocked because we there's a commercial break in between this um, scene, right? We hear, what happens is we hear Giles say to Angel, and she will die. He mm-hmm. reads the end of the prophecy from this codex. And then, had you been watching in 1997, you were like, what the fuck? And it cuts yeah. to commercial breaking out. Watch... Glad, glad, glad. Or what is it? Hefty, hefty, hefty. Oh my god, I just inserted glad the wrong <laughs> brand into the song. <laughs> really Sorry, good. hefty. Oh. Um, oh no, maybe it is for glad. Glad trash bags. What are the tra- what is the brand? Is it hefty? I thought it was hefty. No, because it's hefty, 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 wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Yeah, hefty is the brand, is and the then brand? everything else is wimpy. Okay. I'm glad we're having this talk. Yeah, I mean, you got to know. When you got to know, you got to know. Anyhow, you you know, watch all these fucking stupid ass commercials. Mm-hmm, uh, no offense, mm-hmm. commercials, but like, uh. And we come back, and the balance of this scene is Oof, devastating. I mean, the balance of the scene is why we're doing this podcast, right? Yeah, like, it is. It is like the heart of this show. This is. I mean, we see her go. Through everything. And and that's something that I noticed a lot in this episode is that he fits in, like Joss fits in so much shit in the tiniest amounts of time in, in a very believable and powerful way. Mm-hmm. Like several times I was like, I can't believe that we're still only halfway through this. Like we've learned so much already. We've felt so much already. Mm-hmm. And this scene is an example of that. We come right back on her laughing, um, which is like... To me, it was like a gutting first response and yeah. a very, like, I believed it one million percent. Like, mm-hmm. she has just found out something that she doesn't know how to deal with. And she is, like, laughing in this horribly sad, upsetting way. Um, and then she goes through, right? Like, I got chills just from the laugh. And then she says things like, um, you know, does it say how I'm going to die? Will it hurt? Who will she be, this next slayer? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Will you train her? Uh, don't touch me, she says to Angel. And mm-hmm. then eventually gets herself to, I quit. 
I'm not doing this. I quit. Mm-hmm. Um, she rips her necklace off, the, the necklace that Angel has given her. And and she has this line where she just looks at Giles and says, Giles, I'm 16 years old. I don't want to die. And it, it's like, you know, that all happened in like 35 fucking seconds. It has gotten so real. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we, Jenny, Jenny and I usually write the song after we record podcast Mm -hmm. but we have already written the song and this this idea was like the central piece of the song that we wrote um yeah you know or or this journey that Buffy goes on that starts right now where she's like wait what it's like she's been in danger she's been she's faced death she's been afraid um but this is so much more real than anything has ever been and it's devastating yeah it's a common thing to think about like when you you, people say, like, when you're young, you, like, think you're invincible, mm-hmm. right? And to buff, like, for Buffy, it's exponentially uh, exaggerated because she has super strength and mm-hmm. really fast healing abilities and all of this, you know, sort of mystical power that she's imbued with. And now she's just heard, after she's faced death a bajillion times, like, she literally fights dead people every day right and she just heard for the first time like the possibility that she might actually die in the very near future and she and she like the way that she talks about it like because really one of the first responses is this like who's she gonna be who's this next person gonna be it's like for the first time she says i know how this works i remember how this works right i know Mm -hmm. i die and then the next one comes right on in and it's like she's realizing for the first time and feeling like i'm just disposable like all this, all this work I'm doing, all this fight that I've given, and this is where it ends for me. And then somebody else just comes and picks up the stake, and and onward they go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful scene, and it's and it's devastating from all angles. You know, I mean, talk about a trio of people to be like facing this truth for the first time. It's like Giles, who we've seen standing at her grave in in the last or in nightmares, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Where you know we had that horrible heart-wrenching scene where he was like this is my nightmare i didn't protect her so he's we know what he's feeling Mm -hmm. and then we have angel who we know you know is in love with buffy and it's just so sad and then of course we go to buffy who is like looking through photos wow for those of you who don't know can't even fathom why there's a book full of photographs in somebody's (laughs) home let me just explain really quickly that a long long time ago a long long time ago <laughs> uh we we didn't used to have phones that took pictures mm-hmm. and computers to back them up we would ha- take pictures with cameras and then then we would like take the film to a, a film developing place and then we would wait yeah multiple days yeah. for the pictures to be developed then we would pick them up then we would paste them into a book like that and then Later, when we find out we're about to die via mm-hmm. prophecy, we, we, flip we nostalgically flip through yes. and relive our past joys. Yes. So this is an accurate, authentic scene. Um, also, we would usually get photos printed in doubles just in case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that... to share with your friends. Yeah, I would always get doubles just because. Like, I wanted to, like, fuck around with one set and then have the other set for, for safekeeping. Wow. I always got doubles. What what kind of photo manipulation were you doing in high school? No, not, like, fuck around in a manipulatory way. No, like, in a... Like, Did were you, you like, like, manipulatory? Yeah, that was really something. <laughs> were you, like... 
Like drawing on them or like no, making like, cards out like of them? Like pasting them in books sometimes or, you know, like making photo books like mm-hmm, Buffy, mm-hmm. Buffy has or um, or giving them to friends or like cutting them out and making collage type things. Um, right, 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 you know, right, right. What you do, what you do with physical photos. Um, but anyhow, Joyce comes in. Joyce comes in. Joyce has this great line. <laughs> You're probably full from that bite of dinner you nearly had. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. And and again, just this one sentence lets us know that, like, I mean, we already What's know that Buffy on? is distraught. But, you know, this is one quick sentence that kind of, like, inserts that into this scene. Um, now, Buffy uh, has a great idea where she's like, let's just get out of town. I know. Let me avoid this prophecy. Mom, safest person, safest place on the planet to me, historically mm-hmm. and now and always. Take me away uh, and protect me and get me the fuck out of here yeah and joyce is like oh honey you know the gallery is open on weekends let me just say something really quick yes Jenny. we haven't seen this gallery <laughs> and i don't want to spoil anything for anybody but we're never going to see the gallery <laughs> so i have a theory i'd like to put on the table what if running parallel oh brother to the regular vampire slayer lineage vibe there's also an adult vampire slayer league <laughs> And Joyce... Vampire League, by the way. Yeah. Is actually out slaying... Wouldn't this be a cool crossover potential thing for, like, down the line, they, like, run into each other in the graveyard where they, like, think... (laughs) Buffy thinks her mom's at the gallery and Joyce thinks Buffy is, like, at a study date with Willow and they, like, bump into each other in the cemetery and they both have stakes out and they both try to hide them behind there. Doesn't this sound so fun? great. Yeah, no, it's good, Jenny. Run with it. Think you have a moneymaker on your hands. Yeah. I if if I wrote fan fiction, I feel mm-hmm. like I would be off to the yeah, races. It's like Freaky Friday meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, yes. Um, but I believe I do believe that Joyce actually just works at an art gallery. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Okay, fine, maybe. Um, but right, and she of course doesn't know what's at stake here. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the anointed yeah, one exactly. to give me my drum fill? <laughs> um, so yeah, but then she has purchased this dress for Buffy um, that she saw Buffy eyeing, which you know is is I was gonna just go down the it's this really beautiful moment path, but I do want to just say it is a weird thing to give somebody a dress to a dance that's the next day. It's like, you know what I mean? The timing of it seems weird. It seems like you would give, if you wanted to give a person a dress for a dance, you would find out if they were going. Yeah, yeah. You would. And Work you would. with a little more lead time. Yeah. Joyce is an impulsive lady, though. You know, she yeah. just rides the wind wherever it takes her. <sighs> That's true. So, so this is when Buffy sees this dress. And, of course, they have this exchange where, and it's this really sweet exchange between them, too, which I feel like is coming from the fact that Buffy knows right, you're going to interact with your loved ones very differently. If you know you're going to die. If you know you're going to die. And so, you know, Joyce is telling her this story about how she went to the prom by herself. And, um, you know, Buffy says, like, well, was it horrible? And Joyce is like, yeah, it was horrible for the first hour. And then I met your dad. And, like, they have this, like, very open, beautiful exchange, which we don't – we haven't really seen that many of these, if any, between Joyce and and Buffy because – Buffy's 16. Right, right. You know? Um, and then, of course, 
we go right to um, the school where Cordelia is like, my boyfriend is so cute. I don't even care that he didn't set up the equipment. Willow, mm. huh? Isn't love so crazy? And they, they have they do have this really great moment where Cord- Cordelia is like, men, am I right? <laughs> and Willow's like, sure. <laughs> it's really nice. It's really nice for a lot Willow's of Willow's like affirming, like back up. I'm backing you up nod. Yeah. It's so good. Right? Um, but then we go right from our laughter into another one of these scenes that is like just <laughs> no, no joke, no pun intended, but like very gutting. The scene is just like, yeah, you know, they, she opens the door, Cordelia opens the door and what's this guy's name? It's not Mitch. Kevin. It's Kevin. <laughs> we, we moved on from Mitch to Kevin since the last episode. Um, and this scene is dark. Whew. It's rough. It's, it's really dark. I mean, there are what six, seven kids, a bunch in, of kids there, in there, um, all who have been killed by vamps. And the thing that really, like, I feel like hits at home is the bloody handprint on the TV screen while Porky Pig is dancing with Porky Pig. Mm-hmm. It's rough. Yeah, it's pretty it's a difficult juxtaposition. It's pretty dark. And one of the little factoids that we stumbled upon actually uh, had this note that Alice and Hannigan had said they had filmed the scene in two different ways. Yeah, a bloodier version for, for European the UK. audiences <laughs> <laughs> who can apparently stomach more gore yeah, um, than Americans. Um, but. I'll tell you what, you didn't even need more gore than just that handprint on the television for it to be really disturbing. Yeah, it was icy. And it's quiet, and Willow is, you can see that she's in shock. And then we go to um, back to Joyce and Buffy, and Joyce has sort of run up the stairs. <laughs> Do we even know that it's upstairs? I know it from watching other episodes, but... Do we know Buffy's bedroom is upstairs? Uh, no, I don't Have think we learned seen, that. Oops, no. spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler for Buffy's house floor plan. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Joyce says, like, uh, something's on the news, Willow. And- oh, no, we have seen them go upstairs because remember when Angel allegedly oh, left? Oh, yes, of then- course. Okay. And, and Angel has to get down out of the, right, 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 the right, right, second story okay. window. Oh, Sorry thank goodness Oof. I didn't spoil. Heavens. You would have been all so mad at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... And then, and then I, I presume that Buffy has gone over to Willow's house. Yeah, that's the vibe. Um, because, and then you know, Willow is sitting in bed and is is really like in she's sh- in shell shock. She's in mode. shock, um, and she's saying like, you know, she says to Buffy, "I'm not okay," you know, because Buffy's like, mm-hmm. "Well, at least you're okay." Um, and Willow says, I'm not okay. And this is when she has this moment and she says, you don't like, I, I'm trying to find the words to explain this to you. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. only thing I can think to say is that it wasn't our world anymore. They made it theirs. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then, and then later in this moment, she asks Buffy, what are we going to do? And Buffy says, what well, we have to. And this is like a moment. The pivot point. It's a big pivot point for Buffy where She's gone from the moment in the library where she's so scared that she quits and she says, fuck this. I'm mm-hmm. not dying. I, you know, I signed up for a bunch and I'll, I'll do a bunch. But like once you say that I'm going to die, like this is some real stuff. I don't want to I don't want to die. Um, but then in this moment with Willow, you know, whether it's I mean, I think it's a combination of all the things. Right. It's like on the one hand, this is her friend, her dear friend who is like devastated and has seen something horrible. Willow is communicating, though, this bigger message of they're taking our world. Like, they can't have our world. I don't want them to have our world. I think that this is just 
A big moment. It is the moment when she like spins on her literal heels and it's like, fuck this. I'm mm-hmm. fighting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost as if some theme music should be inserted. No, it's not yet. Uh, yeah, I know it's not yet, but it's almost as if. <laughs> Jennifer. I'm <laughs> just ramping up to that oh, moment. Oh, boy. Oh, I know what happens here. What which happens is, here? I, this is, I have a lot to say about this, actually. Um, right as Buffy is leaving Willow's room, Willow says, I like your dress. <laughs> I love this because Willow says it. Then the master says it, uh-huh. and then Angel tries to say it. And she's like, and she's I've, like I've enough heard it. with the dress. But this is what's so fucking great about this line that keeps coming up where people are telling her that they like her dress. And the whole prom dress, right? I mean, we hear this line, and this is like, you know, stereotypical prom banter, right? You, you go to the prom because you want to get a beautiful prom dress because you want everybody to tell you that they love your prom dress. I'm not telling you that this is how you feel, listener, nor was it how I felt, but this is like a very, like this is a, a prom trope. Of right, right. You get the dress and you want to hear this. You know, you want to hear that everybody thinks you look so beautiful. It's mm-hmm, this time mm-hmm, when everybody mm-hmm. gets all dressed up. It's like really the first, you know, the reason that like prom is made into such a big deal. It's like really like the first time that you're getting all dressed up with your friends and it feels very adult and right. all this stuff. And the fact that this whole episode is about Buffy trying to save the world from ending and yet still the <laughs> players in that are still telling her <laughs> that they like her dress. It's just like, it's just <laughs> this beautiful dichotomy of what the prom would be if you were not Buffy the Vampire Slayer and what the prom is when you are. And, and everything, the one sliver yes. of overlap is, <laughs> I like your dress. Yes. And the Venn diagram of normal person prom <laughs> and Buffy prom in where they meet, it just says, I like your dress. <laughs> so I love that. Um, oh and, God. you know, we should, we should, speaking of dresses. Yes. I think it's just about time that we go over to our dear, dear friend, Kate Leth, with Buffy Fashion Watch. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself 
in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy Fashion Update. Welcome back, one and all, to the finale of what is arguably the best and worst season for Buffy fashion. Personally, I love it. The mini dresses, silver eyeshadow and taupe lipstick, leopard print, chunky heels, blowout, straightened hair, colored tights, sneakers, plastic rings, Willow's pigtails, Giles' clashing ties and shirts, Jenny Callender's 1970s techno-pagan wardrobe, the endless supply of leather. (laughs) But all good things must come to an end, and here they finally do. Uh, Few people wear anything stand out in this episode, actually. I think to draw attention towards just how fabulous Buffy's dress is, and it is. I went digging to try and find where it came from, as so many people have tried to replicate it through cosplay and various other means over the years. And it turns out it was made by season one's costume designer, Susanna Puisto, or Puisto, I'm pretty sure, to whom I owe this entire segment when I really think about it. So thank you. Thank you a thousand times. Thank you, Susanna. Um, so yeah, it's one of a kind. Fun fact, in upcoming seasons, Buffy wears Vera Wang. Not once, but twice. Anyway, this dress. It's iconic for so many reasons. It's almost sacrificial, like virginal in its purity. The empire waist, the silk, the rhinestones, that layered sheer skirt that's so soft and delicate. It, it works so hard to make Buffy look innocent and you pair it with her leather jacket and the metal cross that she wears when she goes after the master and you have one of her most iconic looks of the entire series Susanna and the writers are are telling us here like without saying anything that they're here to subvert a trope and it might feel a little obvious but I'm a sucker for it her innocence here is is her fear of death and her fear of her own prophecy but her jacket and, and the cross on top of this, like, beautiful soft white dress tell us, you know, she's ready to fight. She's capable. I mean, she's the slayer. And, like, at the same time, it's this very literal way of saying that she's hard on the outside, but, you know, she can still be hurt. And, like, I have a lot of feelings. Um, So that's it for me for season one. We have so many outfits and new characters and new outfits to look forward to in season two. But until then... I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. 
What a way to finish up season one of Buffy Fashion Watch. Thank you, Kate. Oh, thank you, Kate. What a beautiful fashion watch it was, mm. where fashion meets feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of uh, feelings, we're back in the library. Um, Giles has taken mm-hmm. Buffy's cutting words said in anger to heart and has decided that he is going to face the master and Buffy will stay out of it. Yeah, which is also heartbreaking. I just like I wrote oh, the word sob, sad. sob, sob a lot of times in this episode. Yeah. Um, Because, oh, because that moment when she says to him, like, what do you do with your books? She throws the fucking book up against the uh-huh, wall. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Ah, that scene. But then this scene, this scene, this scene starts with, with Jenny Callender so proud. Like, I've dutifully looked up Isaiah 11.6 and Giles oh comes God. strolling out of the cage, like, reciting, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. And Jenny Callender's like, oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I didn't memorize that. I did write it down. Um... But we hear this, um, this is the last thing that uh, this Luca character who has gone missing has sent via global message. Global message. (laughs) Um, And this is the moment when Giles realizes through this piece of um, text that the anointed one is a child. Is not dead as they have. Is not dead, right? Because that was the, what was that character's name? Oh, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Military Man. Military Man. It was, yeah, we thought, we thought military, well, they thought military man was the anointed, but we knew (laughs) the whole time that that tiny child was the anointed one. So they learn that here. Um, And of course, we later learn that Buffy is the lamb. Right, 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 right. In this description, but we'll get there. Because first Buffy has to come in and be like, listen, Dad, <laughs> I'm not going to let you face the master. That's bananas. Yeah. I'm going to face the master. And Giles is like, I can't let you do that. And Buffy's yeah, like. Yeah, Giles says, I defy prophecy and I am going. Oh, Giles. Okay. I know you're getting all hammy over there. How dare you? But like the line. Yeah, no, it's intense. It's intense. It's for real. It's I and defy prophecy. And of course, Buffy is like. I thought you might say that. And then she like turns her head to to pull back to punch him hard enough to knock yeah. him out. But she also like I think kind of like can't look at his face yeah. before she does it. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And then and and, but, but wait. Okay. But wait, because Giles goes down here. And we were one of our lovely listeners said to us Oh yeah. Hey guys, um, not a spoiler. Really, but like maybe you could talk about the fact that it kind of becomes a thing, a funny thing of how many times Giles gets knocked out. And maybe since we're watching episode by episode, we can keep track of how many times Giles gets knocked out. And so we've had how many times now so I far? I think this is the third, but feel free to correct yeah, we can, us we can on the correct. fly if need be. Uh, we saw him get knocked out in Witch. Mm-hmm. We saw him get knocked out in The Pack. Mm-hmm. And we just saw him get knocked out in Prophecy So Girl. that's three. He's had at least three knockings out. So now we're going to keep count moving forward mm-hmm. how many times Giles bites the dust. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a couple things that I want to talk about before we leave the library here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giles goes down and Jenny Callender runs to his aid to cradle his head. And I want to just alert you that the sound design of her clop clopping... <laughs> Over to Giles, like whatever kind of chunky heel she's wearing, is really good. You should go back and listen to it. It will delight clop, you. Clop, 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 clop. Even when she kneels, there's a tiny yeah. clop. 
<laughs> yeah. And then the, the second thing about uh, this scene that I want to mention before we move on uh, is that two things in this episode don't work for me. Okay. And uh, the first one is this. Mm-hmm. That Buffy says when he wakes up, tell him, think of something cool and tell him I said it. That mm-hmm. just seems so out of the realm of anything that she would say. Maybe I'm like getting too serious. Maybe she's a teenager and that's like a thing. But like, it just seems like she just like did, she just like knocked Giles out to save him from getting himself killed in order to try to save her. But Buffy does not have words through this whole episode. Like that is a thing. I mean, the last thing she says to Willow, the last time she's going to see Willow, she like leaves and she says like, Take care. Take care. Like, you know, but that's, isn't that the whole thing, right? That Buffy always has these, like, quips. She always has words. And she doesn't have words. Yeah. I think it's intentional. Oh, look at you. Hey, here I am to answer your question. Retract, retract. There's only one thing in this episode that doesn't work for me. (laughs) Okay, what is that? We're not there yet. Oh, okay, great. First, the anointed one has to pick Buffy up. And she's all like, yo, (laughs) I know who you are. Also, Buffy, prom dress, leather jacket, crossbow. Crossbow, so impractical. Oh, but it looks so hot. I will say it every time. It's, it's so impractical. I don't care. Nobody cares. A I crossbow care. with a prom dress person. and a leather jacket. Don't take it away from us, Jenny. Don't no, take I it mean, away. No, I mean, I like to look at it. It's just like if you were about to fight the guy who is prophesied to kill you. Maybe she feels... you want to arm yourself most effectively? Uh, maybe she feels it's effective. You don't know. You don't know her. You don't live her life. You're not the slayer. Um, so, right. So, the anointed one is like, I'm a kid. I need help. And she's Ugh, like, shut up, kid. I know who hand. you are. Just creepy fucking take me downstairs hand. in your tiny little hoodie. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then we cut back to the library to Willow being like, why does she get to be in the club? Yeah. Indicating that now Ms. Calendar is in the club. Is in the club. Right. And Willow's like, I don't understand how this happened, but whatever. Um, we then, hear your favorite music cue again while Buffy's walking through the tunnels with the anointed. What's my what? Just after this. the That uh, creepy horror music that, that ah, is yeah. under the master at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. We hear it again as she's navigating the tunnels. There's a lot of really cool scoring, I think, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then Xander says, F this noise. I know where to go. I'm going to Angel's house, which now... How does Xander ha- know where Angel lives? Giles has his phone number. Xander knows where he lives. Like, what's going on here? Are they all playing poker? Right? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and, and here's where, Jenny, here is where my sexual attention award comes in. <laughs> I am... Now, for me, it was a toss-up, but not really a toss-up. But the other contender... Uh, for the sexual tension award, unfortunately for all of us, was the master and Buffy. <laughs> Nobody wants them to win that. Nobody no. wants to even have seen what we had to see. No, no, no. And so I give it wholeheartedly to Xander and Angel. Wow. For both this scene where they're in Xander's uh, Angel's apartment. And, you know, he's like, are you in love with her? And he's like, aren't you? Like, and then they kiss. And then they kiss. Um, and then and then the next scene with the two of them, when they go into, you know, they're going to find the master. Oh, yeah. Xander's like, you were looking at my neck. I felt you looking at my neck. I told you to eat before we left. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's really I good. I love it. They're very cute boyfriends. Very, very cute. <laughs> I love that. Give me some give me some Xander Angel fanfic. <laughs> um 
so yeah, so sexual tension award, unless you have... Uh, no, any... no, that's definitely it. Okay, great. Ugh, then the master and Buffy, which is this other really... Such a bummer. And the master is like hi- like hiding from her, and he has this line like, I want this moment to last. That's really, yeah, super creepy and super terrifying. Um, and then he tells her, this is like awful, she has gone followed what she thought she was supposed to follow to fight him. And he tells her as he's about to kill her, you're the one who sets me free. If you hadn't come, I couldn't go. Think about that. It's like, ugh, you know? Prophecy plot twist. Prophecy plot twist. And he's so, I mean, the master is, the master, yeah, everybody knows how I feel about the master. I never want to look at him. But he really had, like, his character has a lot of depth in this episode, more depth than I think we've seen. His lines are really powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and his, and his like, force is powerful, um, which, I mean, probably because he, he's breaking the bubble, finally. He's like, <laughs> right, 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 right. That wibble wobble. The wibble wobble bubble is about to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then, again, if we were in 1997, you see him bite Buffy. Drop her, which again, beautiful, right? He doesn't, he doesn't bite her and throw her into the water. He bites her and drops her, and you hear her fall onto her knees, and then the, mm-hmm. and then it pans out, and you see her from her knees go forward into the water. It's like this is fucking what directing is, people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It, it's beautiful and heartbreaking. And then we cut to commercial. Hefty, hefty, ah. hefty. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. You're like, what is happening? Is she alive? Is she dead? We come back from the commercial. Right, right. right. And then Angel and Xander know that he's out. And so they run into the lair. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. see her there. And Angel, like, scoops her up out of the water. Yes, Yes, Jenny. and Rain- Angel is panting because he uh, was just running. He's panting up a storm. <laughs> and he's all stressed out. <laughs> and then he says, um, we need to give her CPR. You need to do it, Xander, because I have no breath. <laughs> Ignore all the panting I just did. Uh, is that just the, saying. Is that the other part that you? Is it the other? No, hole that's for you? not. That's not the whole thing. Okay, well, that's just a, a little treat. But getting but getting serious in this moment, though, this is like a really cool thing because um, it highlights the different strengths of these characters of these people. Um, you know, Angel is this very strong ancient vampire who can fight and kill, you know, has all this power. And yet... If Xander wasn't with him... If Xander wasn't with him, and Xander is the only reason that he even went... Xander's the only reason that he's down there in the first place. And that's curious. Yes, because usually Angel is up on the up and up and knows uh-huh. what's going on. But he, Xander has been the one to tell him, we need to go and don't, don't fuck around. I have my crucifix, uh-huh. man. Uh-huh. Then they kiss. And then, <laughs> and then they go down into the lair and, and Angel cannot save her. Only Zan- between the two of them, only Xander can because Xander has Xander doesn't have strength and he doesn't have even like super duper brains. <laughs> but he has breath. He has oxygen in his lungs and he can breathe life back into Buffy. Which, yeah. which and this sort does. of like uh, I think kind of sets the tone really for what Xander has to offer throughout the series. You know, he's sort of like a lot of people refer to him as kind of like the beating heart of. Mm. the operation mm-hmm. you know and a beating heart um pushes blood through your veins and allows all of your major organs to function and, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh including your lungs so so cpr happens 
Buffy's eyes pop open in this weird Oh my god, her eyes open, the 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 camera zooms out just a tiny bit, really fast. Yeah. And there's this like wind chime. Yeah. It's so weird. And then she but coughs. Also, but but yeah, maybe that's what it's like to come back to life. We don't there's know. There's a wind chime. Yeah, there's a wind chime. You haven't heard about the the pro- prophesized wind chime. But oh my god, like I know that Buffy is back alive and we're all really happy about it, but you want to know what I'm more happy about? I know what you're more happy about. Oh man, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. More Cordelia behind the wheel. Oh my god, this scene is so good. They come out and the vampires are like acting like zombies. They're really being weird, the vamps. I don't know why they're walking so slowly, but it's creepy. And Jenny Callender and Willow are like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? There's all these vampires. How will we ever get away? And then the screeching of rubber on cement is heard. And Cordelia is like, yo, (laughs) I saw these things. I don't know what to do. Get in. And they're like, what do we do now? There's this amazing moment where there's a vamp on the hood and the three of them are screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, what do we do? And Willow is like, we need to get back to the fucking library. (laughs) And Cordelia is like, say no more. (laughs) Say no more. She Bust actually the double doors. Yeah, but right. She says, "Library, great." <laughs> and then she busts through two sets of double doors, uh-huh, I believe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, just knocks down everything at Sunnydale High School. Gets them to the library. They go in. Just a short moment after, after they're in the library, I'm giving this all to Cordy because you know how this rant of mine is going to end. Uh, <laughs> She's standing by the door. The vamp reaches in, grabs her by the shoulder, and she fucking bites him. She bites his arm, and then she says, see how you like it. She bites (laughs) the vampire, and she says, see how you like it, all while wearing stretchy purple spandex pants. Cordelia, I love you. Please play the song. to fucking hear that song all the time you just go to itunes on your phone and you look it up by cordelia Uh and then uh you can play it all the time to keep your spirits up oh god i love her okay (laughs) anyhow (laughs) so because it's almost christmas this is a note i took up on the rooftop click 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 the vampire master is such a dick. <laughs> That's very nice, Jenny. <laughs> I thought you might like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so special. I'll look for those divorce papers uh, in the mail. <laughs> um, uh, but so he's at the school. He's up at that bird's eye view vantage point looking down upon mm-hmm. the library where he knows that his favorite pet is about to bust forth. Oh my god, his favorite pet. But but before we get there, I want to talk about um well, I don't know actually what the order is anymore, but when Buffy comes back to life after she after the wind chime and after her coughing, they're like, "Whoa, whoa, like, you know, you just died, so maybe take a minute before." And she says, "I feel strong, I feel different." Let's go. Let's go. And this is somebody tweeted, I I had tweeted out um you know, when we when we when we did the first watch, I had tweeted like I just watched Prophecy Girl for the first time, and oh my god, it's incredible. And um, somebody named Chantal Co on Twitter um, replied, "This is when Buffy becomes Buffy." 
mm-hmm. and I thought it was the most beautiful, like, capturing of what we see in this episode and this in this moment. Right? She's like, "Oh yeah, I'm fucking back, and now I know what's at fucking stake, and this shit is over." Mm-hmm. Like, she is so self. Um, aware she's so strong she mm-hmm, does not mm-hmm. give any fucks and she also has lived through really her her worst fear right she's on the other side right right of this fear um and so how jenny if you were directing this episode how do you think you would i don't know get this mood across that that buffy is just ready to fight <laughs> Well, first I'd have Cordelia, you know, holding the library door closed. Yes. But unfortunately, the library door has like a little porthole window. Yes. And a vampire is reaching through it. Mm-hmm. And the vampire grabs Cordelia through the door. Mm-hmm. And she's like, somebody help! <laughs> and then it would cut to an amazing scene where the, <laughs> the theme music is playing and Buffy is walking in her fancy shoes and we're looking at her shoes. And then it, zoom, it pans up slowly. Uh, the length of her entire body and yep. Xander and Angel are like have fallen in behind her and it's like dun, 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 dun. okay so this is the moment that really lands with a clang for me I get why it's a you know I get what's happening but it's just like a little bit there's just something that's just not quite it's bizarre to hear the theme song in the show itself or at least like this version of it um but i i'm into it i'll take it yeah i mean i'm stoked about what's happening um and then my next note is three-headed demon lol that's my whole note (laughs) were Um, there only three heads on that thing yeah i think there were three and did you say that there was a a human being inside each each one one, of those heads each one there's a human being inside each tentacle not in the show but like behind the scenes yeah it's being operated by right yes the individual people individual people are operating that that three-headed demon the hellmouth demon uh the pet of the master as jenny as jenny put it um, and then, you know, Buffy gets up to the roof, clickety-clack, and, uh, the master is so surprised. Um. He's like, you're dead. You're dead. How are you here? And this, this was very funny. Another note that we read when we were doing our little, like, research of the episode, somebody had just randomly said, like, well, if you think about it, the master might be surprised for several reasons. Uh, one, because he thought Buffy was dead, but two, because he's been trapped in a wibble-wobble bubble. They didn't say wibble-wobble bubble, but <laughs> he's been trapped down in his lair for many years, and CPR was only b- invented in the 1970s, so he didn't even know yeah. that you could do that. Mm-hmm. So His mistake. Plot twist uh and then buffy what does she say to him what does she say well uh one thing that she says oh one thing that she says <laughs> there it is is uh you know i may be dead but i'm still pretty oh yes but i meant you have fruit punch mouth oh my god well she has so many amazing lines just in this short amount of time well for me you though, have you have fruit me. punch mouth yeah uh, which is, we've all been thinking it, and now, thank God, somebody's finally saying it. A lot of it. you tweeted at me saying, Kristen, I really thought of you in this moment. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. You you have fruit punch mouth. Um, I flunked the written when he says, you yeah. were meant to die. Yeah. It was written. She's like, I flunked the written. <laughs> that's, that's just a nice, uh, healthy high school humor that I can really get behind. Yep. 
Oh. And then she eyeballs, she eyeballs as she's fighting him, she sees this um like broken piece of something down wood. through naturally. Oh, of course it has to be wood. Silly me. Um through the glass panel that that is on the top of the library. And down he fucking goes. Oh man. Down if he- you're if you're yeah. so into hell, go there. <laughs> what a great what a great finish him move yeah. line. Yeah, it was. Very nice. And I like his death. I like the like, you know, usually when vampires are dusted, they kind of immediately dust. Right. But because he is the oldest vampire on record. Yes. He's really got. He has a skeleton. It's durable. Nobody has. No, none of the other vamps had skeletons. He's the only one. I mean. Right. Their, their, their bones turn to dust. His bones don't yeah. turn to dust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and also, guys, who's cleaning up the high school is what I want. There's like. There's like, like peace. We're going to the prom. <laughs> there's like slime everywhere, dude. Shattered floors and and Cordelia's car is just in. Do they drive Cordelia's car out of the school to the prom? We don't see it, but I assume so. That's how they get there. Uh, anybody who they're they're like we've already survived this much. Surely we can get in a car that Cordelia is driving <laughs> right. too. Um, I just want to like just uh step back like one moment. There's a there's a a moment where I think that the three headed slime tentacle monster laughs no yeah i think there's a moment where it like shit it's like shaking up and down <laughs> like ha 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 and there's like kind of like a, a a raspy hissing wow that that sounds kind of like a laugh oh my so word. feel free to go back and check that out all right and I also like just like in general out. I mean, it's like scary, and we don't want anybody to die. But like that thing is just muppety. Yeah, especially the way it retracts when the ma- the master is killed. It's like come out of here. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's very um, uh, little shop of horrors. Yeah, you know, it has that kind of a vibe to it. Totally. Um, yeah, and and you know, not to not to miss either in this moment that they're as they're as they're all gathering back in the library, we hear this the theme song again. But it's this like beautiful, slow, lyrical theme song. And the, this was another like teary moment for me because there they are. I, I believe there they are, the Scoobies, as we go into season two, mm-hmm. including Jenny Callender and including Cordelia. They're all, mm-hmm. And Angel is in the room. And you were there. And you were there. The gang is all here. The gang is all here. And then uh, Buffy says, we save the world. Now we party. <laughs> and out they fucking go and, th- and then Into there's like the this night. banter of like I'm hungry and they're like laughing yeah, yeah, of yeah. course you're hungry you died and you saved the world silly girl <laughs> like it's just a, it's good it's good it's good it's good um, feels like home yeah this wow and we did it we, we're we we're at the end of season one and wow. I'm just gonna like touch back to where I started like this is why we're doing this fucking podcast this episode is so beautiful this television series is so beautiful, and we are about to get into season two. We cannot wait. Oh, man, if you haven't seen season two yet, I'm so excited yeah. for you. <laughs> you get to meet oh, new characters. God. Oh, there's so much to do. Yeah. Um, but we're not there yet. Um, we will be soon. This is um, the last episode of season one. 
We will be back with season two episodes starting in January, but we will have a couple of other fun episodes in between season one and season two. We're going to do a mailbag episode, um, and we're going to try to do a special episode where we talk about your favorite episode or favorite moments, rather, from season one. So we asked last week um, if you're able to send us a voice recording of yourself talking to us, say your name and where you're from, and then tell us what your favorite moment of this season was and why. Try to keep it, you know, to like the one minute mark or so, so we can get in as many as possible. But if you're like, I don't want to make a voice memo, guys, um, just send us an email and we'll keep those emails for this separate episode. Um, Your favorite episodes and our favorite, or I keep saying that, your favorite moments and our favorite moments from season one. Um, And our email, in case you missed it is buffering the vampire slayer at gmail.com wow well that's it for this episode and that's it for this season that is the end of season one thanks so much for joining us this whole entire time it's been our pleasure to party with you i'm jenny owen youngs and when i'm not watching buffy and making this podcast i'm usually writing and recording songs you can learn more about me at jennyowenyoungs.com slash buffering where I've curated a little playlist of songs that are not about Buffy that I've written. You can check them out. And uh, you could also give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Everybody's like, why would we want to hear songs not about Buffy? I know. (laughs) Um, I am Kristen Russo, and you can find me over on Twitter at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. When I'm not talking about Buffy, and that's really just less and less of my life at this point, but when I'm not (laughs) talking about Buffy, I work to bring advice, resources, and laughter to LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. And we're going to do something special in this episode. Um, Jenny and I have... A handful of lyric sheets that are, I want to let you know, they are like these sheets that we wrote down the words for the first time writing the song. So From our writing sessions. From our writing sessions. So they're written in pencil um, on like yellow paper. There's like (laughs) stuff in the margins. It's that kind of a deal. A lot of unused lines. A lot of unused lines. Yeah, I think they're really special and really fun. And we have um, at least four of them. I think we we might have even more than Mm -hmm. that. Um, And so what we're going to do is if anyone is able to do an end-of-year donation to the work over at Everyone is Gay and My Kid is Gay. Um, We're going to pick, no matter what donation size you give, if you give a dollar, if you give $700, all the same chances um, of you getting picked, we will pick, um, you know, four or more of those donors to get that, um, a copy of one of the lyric sheets. Um, And you can go over and um, donate. It's a tax-deductible donation is the best way to do it, in my opinion. If you go on over to We Made a Bitly for you. It's just bit.ly slash E-I-G Buffy. So E-I-G for everyone is gay. Buffy. All lowercase? All lowercase. E-I-G Buffy. Or, you know, you can just go to everyoneisgay.com, click on the donate link, um, and just you'll see there's three options. Choose Fractured Atlas. Um, That's how you can give uh, tax deductibly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we will pick some of you wonderful humans who support that work to get um, those fun lyric sheets. And I thank you in advance for your support. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter at BufferingCast and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BufferingCast. And 
If you haven't gotten this message already, you can send us an email to bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. No, we really, we hit the email address <laughs> three times in this episode, I think. Um, if you like what we do, and we hope that you do, you can uh, go on over to iTunes and leave us a positive review. Um, that is a very awesome way to support our work here. Um, another fun thing that you can do is you can go on over to our shop, um, which is bit.ly slash shop buffering. Um, and over there, you can find some enamel pins by designed by Kate Lepp, uh, buffering the Vampire Slayer T-shirt designed by Christine Tuna, mm-hmm. uh, and that is just to remind you where we are going to put up the physical copy of Buffering the Vampire Slayer songs from season one for pre-order. It's going to be up starting today, and it's going to be up through December eighteenth. We have a limited amount of copies, um, so if you want that physical manifestation mm. of the beauty we hath wrought <laughs> in season one. <laughs> wow. You can go on over and uh, pre-order a copy. They should go out probably by the end of um, December. All right? Yes. I think, uh, should we say also that our New York show has sold out? Yes. Oh, yes, it is, um, which is bad news for some, but great news for the indication it gives us that we should yes. plan more Buffering the Vampire Slayer events. Yes. Which we will be doing in the new year. We shall. So stay tuned. Um, if you use social media, follow us on social media because we will be talking about other events and um, things that we're trying to plan, uh, both for season one and, and moving into season two. So uh, thank you for selling us out. Selling us out like three weeks before the <laughs> yeah, show. That's so awesome. So exciting. Thank you, New Yorkers. Um, and for those of you who do have tickets, we are so excited to see you there Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't don't fret we will get a chance to share space with you fangs with you (laughs) all that good stuff very very soon um yeah yeah thank you so much for joining us for this first season it has been such a pleasure it really has till next time you said but i can't make them make sense i face nightmares every night but now i want to run instead from what will come what will come if our world belongs to them what will come what will come Just keep fighting, just keep fighting That's what I'm supposed to do If I just keep fighting, just keep fighting Maybe I'll believe it too When you sat there on the bed Looking scared, looking ahead Couldn't shake the things you'd seen And it woke me when you said What will come, what will come If our world belongs to them What will come, what will come Just keep fighting Just keep fighting That's what I'm supposed to do If I just keep 
Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a light-hearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.